0: What we are aiming to become is a platform where it has a digital twin of your job site and our software and our technologies that we're developing is pushing towards closer and closer to real-time data capture.
1: Welcome to The Restless Ones. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I've spent more than a decade really learning about technology, what makes it tick, and then describing and explaining that to my audience. But it's the conversations with the world's most unconventional thinkers, the leaders at the intersection of technology and business that fascinate me the most. In partnership with T-Mobile for Business, I explore the unique set of challenges that CIOs and CTOs face from advancements in cloud and edge computing, software as a service, Internet of Things, and of course, 5G. We are often left wondering how the leading minds in business continue to thrive. Let's find out. Our guest today is David Chen, Chief Technology Officer of Skycatch. Skycatch uses drones to capture precise images of work sites, like mines. Using drones, the company can create a three-dimensional virtual image of a location. Skycatch has clients all over the world, and David's job is to make certain the company's tech can deliver the solutions to client challenges. David, thank you so much for joining us today on The Restless Ones.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.
1: And uh, before we jump into everything that you do, it's always fun to get some background. I love to ask this question. What first got you interested in technology?
0: Um, I think it was around seventh or eighth grade my my dad was doing his phd at harbor at the time so he had access to dial up through through their uh they had a ppp dial up so this was the the real internet and i was able to browse the web learn how to make a web page uh geocities was the first thing i built a web page on that's where i learned html css and that's how i got started
1: oh oh you're taking me back it's like I've gone <laughs> into it's like I've gone into the literal way back machine with GeoCities. What was your first job in tech?
0: My first job in tech was uh, in high school I worked for a local web development company and at the time the internet was still mostly uh, directory based so Yahoo's and AltaVista's and um so the company I worked for uh, we built our own portal engine. So that's what I worked on. And I learned uh, PHP, MySQL to kind of build this product. And we actually sold a lot of licenses and I got a little bit of royalty from each copy that was sold.
1: Nice. So for a high
0: school job, that was awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad first gig at all. I also have to ask you, David, how did you first get interested in drones? What was your first experience with those?
0: Um. So drones has only been i've only been into drones for the last maybe eight or nine years however i've been into rc aircrafts for a lot of my life and you know as a child i loved airplanes of all kinds so it's always been a passion to learn more about flight and drones was just amazing when when you can have something that can just hover in the air and not crash
1: (laughs) (laughs) so i heard that uh You were interested in in drone racing at one point?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I am still very interested. So this was kind of how I really got into drones. Um, So in the very beginning, I got the first introduction to drones was through this hackathon called Drone Games, which was actually uh, ran by our CEO, Christian. That's how I met him. Um, It was with the... One of the first consumer drones the parrot ar there was a sdk that someone had created that allows you to grab the camera stream and control the movements so at the hackathon uh, my team built a drone that streamed that video to a computer it ran some uh, algorithms to detect uh, a fist and tracked it and followed it around so that was my first introduction to it and from there i just Got really deep into drones, started building my own drones, and the Bay Area has a lot of the top drone pilots in the world, and there's local meetups all the time, and I was out drone racing almost every weekend, building these little racers that can fly upwards of 100 miles an hour through these courses.
1: I've seen video footage of these. I've never actually been able to attend one of the races myself so far, but the video is is phenomenal. You, the the pilots I see who who fly these courses, uh, they see at a speed I am incapable of seeing. After learning about David's background, I wanted to get a bit more insight into his work at Skycatch and what that entails. Skycatch itself is a company built upon emerging technologies. And so I was really looking forward to hearing David's perspective on cutting edge tech.
0: So I joined Skycatch in 2014, and when I first joined, I was the, uh, the second software engineer. We had an intern at the time, um, and at the time, the company was mostly around building the hardware itself. How do you build a drone that can autonomously fly to places and take photos and capture the data that's needed? Um, the software was still mostly manually processed, so um, I joined to create a platform for our customers to be able to view the data on the cloud and to automate that processing.
1: So when people ask you what your job is, how do you describe it to them today?
0: I think the best way to describe what I do at Skycatch is I help create the solutions that will solve problems for our customers, which are in mainly in construction and mining, uh, to save people time um, create better safety environments for humans on the job site, um, and to enable them to make decisions faster.
1: So, so with that in mind, the way you describe what SkyCatch does, how do you put that? So, we build a solution that
0: enables a very high precision three D capture of your job site. So, imagine a three D snapshot, except every single point on our on the data that we produce is accurate to a few centimeters. And we produce millions of points over any area that you're, you desire to capture. And then you can then do measurements, do analytics, do all sorts of calculations on that data after the fact instead of having to do that in the field.
1: And I would imagine that not only saves an enormous amount of time, but it also uh, it ends up being something that really improves safety as well.
0: Absolutely. A lot of places that they have to send personnel into for for an open pit mining operation, there are massive machines, these trucks that are, you know, taller than small buildings, uh, they can't see humans. So if you have to be near these vehicles, it's very dangerous, or there's terrain that's inaccessible by foot. Um, But you can now send a drone up to capture that data and review that in an office in a digital form as if you were actually in front of that area.
1: This is speaking to me because I've talked to a lot of roboticists who talk about the the beauty of things like robotics and automation is that it helps take away the uh, dangerous, deadly, and dull tasks that humans would traditionally have to do and offloads that onto machinery where you – again, you can do this in a very efficient and safe way.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, throughout your career – you've been drawn to you know, technological companies and uh, entrepreneurial organizations. So how do you leverage your experience at your your former workplaces, such as uh, Pipio and Twitter, in your current role at Skycatch? What sort of things did you learn that you now apply to your job here?
0: I think uh, for, for my experience at those previous companies, it was really about honing uh, my technical skills on how to take a really large and complex problem, break it down into small pieces, then solve those pieces and put it back together into a simple solution that makes this complex thing seem really easy to do. And I think the other important thing I've learned in my experience is um, don't come up with new solutions. Listen to the customers for what their real pain points are and create solutions around that. And that's what will really make it a successful business. You'd be surprised at how many solutions out there isn't solving a real problem. For us, um, we spend so much time in the field with our customers. I've traveled to every corner of the world. I've been up in the Arctic Circle to visit customers to kind of understand what is the, the workflow that they go through when you're outside in negative 30 degree weather when there's only four hours of daylight that you can actually do your work in. And that kind of helps us drive a solution that can can make these people happy.
1: Yes. I'm, I'm so glad that it's not the approach of like spinal tap where you say, oh yeah, this, <laughs> this dial goes to 11.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> well, uh, as a growing company in an emerging field, what sort of Challenges have you tackled as CTO at SkyCatch? You've talked a little bit about this, and but can you give us sort of a more specific example of a challenge you faced and sort of the approach that you and your team went through in order to solve that?
0: Sure. Um, with one of our large customers, uh, previous drone mapping, uh, everything was less precise because GPS is not very precise. You can know your position to maybe five to 10 meters in 3D space. Uh, and the data that's needed is centimeter level accuracy. So they needed these uh, essentially control markers on the ground to align the data. Our large customer came to us and told us, we need you guys to get rid of these markers because it's taking, you know way more time to set these things up in the field and then take them down after, in order just to capture data, the drone maybe flies only for thirty minutes. So, we want you guys to get rid of this part of the workflow. So, we spend a lot of time um, developing custom cameras, uh, incorporating high precision GNSS solutions to come with a to come up with a um, unified solution that just works out of the box. That you can fly it with no ground control and achieve that high level of precision on the output data. And that was possible only through um, custom electronics, custom software on the computer vision side, and making sure all of this works seamlessly and controlled through an iPad app where the the user really just circles an area that they want, hit fly, and the thing does everything by
1: itself. So the, the goal there is you create an experience for the customer that is almost akin to magic because you have... Removed all of the complexities, and you've put that on the back end where you're shouldering that burden. I'm sure that it took an enormous amount of work on the back end. Can you give me an idea of of uh, of how long that project took?
0: Um, I think we started we started working with the technologies required in 2015, and uh, we were starting to actually ship the full ready units in 2017. Mm -hmm. So for two years we were in heavy R and D and for a duration, I was flying to Japan almost on a monthly basis to go testing in the field with the customer, getting feedback, going back, making changes to hardware, software, until we got it to a point where it's works extremely well and extremely reliable.
1: That's incredible. You went from something that was a very low resolution photograph to ultra high resolution uh, with this particular solution. And and as you say, you know, you're talking about drones that might be up in the air for less than an hour. That's not a lot of time to capture that kind of data. So uh, it is phenomenal to me that you were able to do that in a way that uh, not only gets a, a full three-dimensional picture of the site – but then can also deliver that data in a way that's that's consumable to your customer. I mean, these are not these are not easy things to do.
0: Yeah, and the drone I think is actually the easier part. The real magic is in the software. So from the very start, our CEO Christian Sanz, has always said that uh, we are a data company, not a drone company. We see drones as just a tool to capture the data for us. In the future, it may not be drones. To me, the drone is kind of like this flying tripod that we can programmatically send to anywhere in space for it to capture that data. But once that data is captured, our software does the heavy lifting of turning uh, hundreds or thousands of photos into these 3D structures that represent reality.
1: That's incredible.
2: If there's one thing most businesses can agree on these days, it's that change has never come about so quickly. New ways of working have become the norm. As a result, the status quo no longer cuts it when it comes to helping businesses adapt and innovate. That's why T-Mobile for Business uses unconventional thinking to help businesses work smarter and grow faster. Only T-Mobile offers America's largest and fastest 5G network, It's just one reason they're better able to help businesses solve the real-world challenges they face as they evolve. For instance, their new WFX solutions help team members stay connected and productive where work happens. With nearly two and a half times the network coverage of AT&T, nearly four times more than Verizon, and $40 billion invested in network and business improvements over the next three years, T-Mobile for Business is better for your business right now and into the future. See what they can do for your organization at T-Mobile.com slash unconventional. OpenSignal awarded T-Mobile fastest 5G network based on average speeds. USA 5G user experience report January 2021. Capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some users may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com.
1: How do you decide upon when to rely on, say, a partner versus developing a tool or platform internally? Do you do do a lot of internal development or is there a lot of partnership or some combination?
0: Um, This has always been uh, a line that keeps moving. Initially, for example, when I first joined the company, the hard problems were around how do you build the drone? How do you make it fly and automate that? Uh, And that's where the customer pain points were. This is when companies were starting to use drones to capture aerial data. But as drones became easier and easier, we kind of shifted where that focus was. Because um, as DJI became uh, a dominant force in the drone industry, we realized that it doesn't make sense to try to keep building drones and competing against them. It's better if we focused on the software pieces, the high precision, and work with them. So that's exactly what we did. Uh, We partnered with them to develop uh, the Explorer 1, which is a custom drone that we designed that sits on top of one of their airframes with our electronics, our camera, our GNSS systems.
1: I see a lot of businesses that sort of doubled down on their initial decisions to the detriment of the success of the business over time, so were there a lot of discussions that went into the decision to kind of step back from the hardware side?
0: Absolutely, it was um, you know it was a very tough decision for the company because it was so focused on the hardware side at the time. Um, it was during a time when regulations around commercial drone use were also extremely extremely st- strict. Uh, I think around 2016. So a lot of adoption by large entities were not possible due to these regulations. Um, so we had to think real hard about what we want to be building, and ultimately, we decided we did not want to be build building a drone. We wanted to be building the software to create value from the data that was captured by the drone.
1: And and as you point out, because you did that, it means that the the business model you have. Is not inherently married to drone technology. It could be ported over to some other uh, format, some other means of gathering the data.
0: Yeah, exactly. And we're seeing that the the forms of capture are becoming more and more widespread. From you know the robot dogs that can walk a job site to embedded cameras on workers' helmets to you know even handheld devices. Your your iPhone, for example, now has a Uh, LiDAR sensors that are capable of capturing 3D data. So all of these sources can be ingested into our platform for for visualization and
1: analytics. Well, and that kind of leads perfectly into my next question, which is what do you see as the biggest opportunities for Skycatch in the near term?
0: What we are aiming to become is a platform where it has a digital twin of your job site and our software and our technologies that we're developing is pushing towards closer and closer to real-time data capture. So today you have to fly the drone, capture the data, and then it takes a number of hours for that data to be processed. We want to shorten that to real-time and we want to um, be able to continuously capture instead of just having a single snapshot every day.
1: Well, that's great. This this is a perfect time for us to to segue over to emerging technologies because it sounds to me like well we've already started covering a lot of this. It's it sounds like we're we're talking about things like Internet of Things. We're talking about edge computing. Uh, what are what are some of the technologies that are just starting to mature that you're looking toward as being supportive of SkyCatch's mission?
0: So I think two things uh, I'm really excited about. One is LiDAR technology. Um, These sensors used to cost tens of thousands of dollars, but now due to the developments in autonomous vehicles, they've gotten cheaper and smaller. I'm looking forward to the days where a small camera is an extremely capable LiDAR capture device that can capture hundreds of meters at millimeter accuracy. Um, The second thing is uh, 5G technologies, which will enable the massive amounts of data that we capture from these devices to be streamed to uh, edge devices and to our cloud nearly instantaneously.
1: David, you brought up one of my favorite topics, and that's 5G. I think most people have at least an idea that 5G means high throughput and low latency, but that's kind of abstract, and the work you're doing at Skycatch is a fantastic use case for the power of 5G. How do you anticipate leveraging 5G's capabilities at Skycatch?
0: We already have several edge-based compute products. For example, the Edge 1, that's our GNSS base station plus um, edge compute. So all of the 3D data that's we generate can be processed right on the edge. So the drone captures it. It's transferred into this small small device that just sits on a tripod and you can process everything there. However, the, the bottleneck right now is once you have this data processed, you can use it in the field, but if you want to share it with your team, you need to bring this unit back to the office where you can connect it to the, uh, fi or ethernet and then offload that data because a single flight of a drone can produce, you know, upwards of five, 10 gigabytes of output data.
1: Right, and having that ability to transmit data wirelessly uh, changes the game, where you can make those decisions back at home base uh, immediately, and then, uh, in theory, in the field, act upon them. So I imagine that that would be transformative for many of your clients.
0: Yeah, I think very much so. Uh, We already kind of pushed that um, ability to act on the data to the field. But now being able to connect it to the rest of the organization is going to enable so much more to be done. For example, in, in a mining operation, uh, every time you stop the operation, it's going to cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars per hour. So, And, and uh, they would stop it if something is not correct and they need to wait to check is this built to spec? Is the pit cut to the exact design from the geotechnical engineers? And if it's not, they need to go back and rework it. But being able to catch these issues at the moment that they're that it's happening and, and making that decision right away will definitely save millions of dollars.
1: Right. And they could even potentially be proactive and spot something before it has become a problem and thus avoid causing the issue in the first place. So, This is a really great uh, use case. In what ways is Skycatch leveraging and advancing artificial intelligence? How 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 are you working with AI?
0: So when I think about AI and machine learning, I don't think about it as this is the solution that's fully autonomous. It does everything for you. I think of it as technology that helps humans do things a little bit better than they're able to do on their own. Uh, i'll give you one example um when when 3d data is captured from say a mine Mm -hmm. a, a human operator will take that data into some mining cad software and they may trace the outlines of the toes and crests of the high wall so this is the manual process they're clicking point by point until they traced it all we can use machine learning to guide the humans. For example, the human draws a single point at the beginning, and we can then automatically extend that, find it following that ridge or whatever feature it's following, to take uh, a process that would normally take an hour to do into something that's just a single click.
1: And this, this sounds to me like it's the example of uh, when I talk with AI experts, something they like to talk about is augmented intelligence as opposed to artificial intelligence. So it's not so much about creating a system that does things by itself, but rather lets people do their jobs more effectively.
0: Yeah, and I think the the full potential of AI is still yet to be realized. Um, today, the data still needs to be manually reviewed and someone is looking at it, deciding what to take measurements of what answers are in the in the data itself. Uh, we're working on technologies that will enable to automatically identify all of the things that you care about, take those measurements. So when a user is first interacting with it, all the, the answers are already there. That's, that's kind of my vision for what AI will enable for, for our customers.
1: And it's obviously one of those things that has its own set of challenges. Uh, the biggest challenge I see from, from one perspective anyway, with AI and machine learning is creating a system that is at least somewhat transparent, where you can understand how the system arrived at whatever solution it arrived at. Uh, Otherwise, you run into the challenge of of something that could look like a black box, where you just have no clue of how the system reached its conclusion. Therefore, you don't really know if the solution is valid or if it's applicable.
0: Yeah, you're right and today even with solutions that are more autonomous humans are still required to really verify that this is indeed the right answer
1: well while we're on the subject of challenges and uncertainties what keeps you up at night
0: i think what keeps me up at night is whether or not we've made the the right investment into developing the technologies that we are because sometimes these are multi-year projects that we won't see the solution for a long time. And um, we want to make sure that this is the right solution for our customers and for us as a business.
1: And I would imagine for you, that is that is a big challenge. I mean, we're talking about a a company that is in, is itself part of an emerging field of technologies and applications of technologies. You're doing something new. So every decision you make is one where you can't necessarily be certain of what the outcome is going to be. So, I mean, I I certainly can empathize with that. Before I could let David go, of course, I need to ask him one more thing. Well then, uh, what do you think is the most misunderstood technology? I
0: think, at least relevant to me, I think drone deliveries is hugely misunderstood. Um, Just because of the the complexity of the infrastructure that's actually needed for this to be widespread will take, I I believe, a long time to be really developed and for for us to be getting our Amazon shipments every day from a drone.
1: And this is from a guy who I believe once helped someone by delivering toilet paper to them (laughs) by a drone.
0: Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was a, a fun joke in the early days of the pandemic. <laughs> a, a roll of toilet paper from my office roof to uh, a friend who lived really close.
1: <laughs> I mean, listen, I've been there. I would love to have a friend who would be able to swoop in drone with a drone-assisted delivery when I need it most. So I think that it was a valid and important story. But as, as you say... I agree. I think uh, drone delivery is something that um, it, it, it's far more complex than the, uh, the the individual little use cases that we'll get. Like I remember when well, you're in San Francisco. I remember the story of uh, of, of drones being used to deliver tacos. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was and that was a big, big thing: tacos from the sky. Um, but I think that 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 sent. People who are in the media like myself down a road where we were envisioning a future that probably isn't quite ready to blossom yet.
0: Yeah. I, I hope to see this technology truly mature and us to be able to just order tacos and have it come in from the sky.
1: Me too. I mean, I, I'm always I'm always down for a sky taco. So bring that future on is what I say. David Thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure to speak with you.
0: Thank you, Jonathan, it was really fun.
1: One thing that was clear to me in my conversation with David was that Skycatch's business is one that will see enormous benefits from 5G connectivity. Being able to deliver a data-heavy solution to clients in real time while conducting aerial surveys in the field is a powerful message and one that could translate into significant savings for Skycatch's clients. But the really exciting thing is that it's just one way that 5G is going to transform business. In the era of big data, being able to transmit information quickly cuts down on response time, which could mean the difference between heading off a problem before it can happen and trying to respond to a crisis. Or it could mean delivering value to customers above and beyond what they expect, or it leads to solutions behind the scenes that streamline processes and reduce costs. The possibilities are endless, and we're going to continue to explore them. Make sure you tune in to the next episode of The Restless Ones, where I'll have more conversations with leaders who are taking the tech of tomorrow and using it today. I'm Jonathan Strickland.
2: These days, new ways of working have become the norm, and the status quo no longer cuts it when it comes to helping businesses evolve and grow. That's why T-Mobile for Business uses unconventional thinking to help businesses seize innovation. Only T-Mobile offers America's largest and fastest 5G network, which makes their new WFX solutions possible, letting businesses stay connected and productive where work happens.